When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, he drove like we have never seen him drive to win the Indianapolis 500 last May. And now Marcus Erickson in the Husky Chocolate Honda is a winner again, but this time on the streets of St. Petersburg. Delivers Chip Ganassi the first victory of the new season in the most eventful race. Good job. Great job. Thank you. Well, that was the sound of Sweden's Marcus Eriksson passing the chequered flag in first place at IndyCar's opening Grand Prix of the season in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg, uh, a race won by Scott McLaughlin last year. McLaughlin unfortunately finished 13th following an incident on the 72nd lap. Meanwhile, Scott Dixon scrapped his way to third place and the Kiwi rookie Marcus Armstrong had a solid showing on debut. So then, on the line now, we have uh, motorsport uh, commentator, David Turner and David, uh, I think the most important thing to to look at here from the outset is we heard yesterday how remorseful Scott McLaughlin was yesterday after he knocked out uh, Ramon Grosjean on lap 72 saying that's not how he races but he also doesn't regret going for the win. What's the reaction been like uh, in the IndyCar media setup a day after that? Yeah, well good morning Smith, nice to chat with you again. Look, I, I think that people will probably side a little bit with McLaughlin after that, just purely because of the fact that, you know, there's a genuine sign of the fact that the guy's real and he made a mistake, and it's it's just that simple, you know. But equally, you're within 30 laps of the race finish and you're racing for a win, you've got to go for it as well. That's what you get paid for. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Grosjean, maybe he could have backed out. Maybe McLaughlin could have backed out, but you don't. They're born to race those guys. That's what they do, um, and, and the situation happened. And I think um, McLaughlin's moved to go and see Grosjean after the race in the team's transporter, and they chatted for a while and that sort of thing. That's the mark of a true sportsman as well. No matter what sport you play in, I think that that really shows that you're you're genuine about what you do. And um, you know, big tick for him. The unfortunate bit, of course, is that. That's points lost in the championship as well, and uh, this championship is made up of consistency. Willpower proved that last year. You've got to score points or as many points as you possibly can all the time. Is there a danger, um, you know, if it, if it happened again, um, you know, you'd start to get a reputation for it, which is something you want to avoid, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, Grosjean himself has got a bit of a reputation from his Formula One days, and I'm not siding one way or the other on that because I think he probably drove fairly average machinery when he was there as well. Um, but, you know, some drivers are, are naturally aggressive um, and some aren't. You know, I um, I did a, a thing for 60 Minutes New Zealand for, for Sky a few years ago, and we interviewed Alex Tagliani, who was a teammate of Dixon's at the time. And, um, you know, Alex always said, when you come up behind the number nine car, you know it's not going to be easy. It'll be clean, but it won't, it won't be easy to pass them. And I think, you know, if you have those sort of reputations, they're good. But, yeah, if you get a bit of the crash and bash, it, it does tend to haunt you. And there's a few drivers that probably are tagged that way. But McLaughlin is certainly not one of them.
Well, Scott McLaughlin finished fourth in the Drivers' Championship last year, which was an amazing result considering he's still relatively new and driving some of these circuits for the first time. Um, what about this year? What, where do you think his, his goals will be this year? I think right now the biggest situation that they've got uh, and that he'll have is that he'll be very hard on himself after yesterday. Uh, he's the type of person that does that. He's done that before, and he, he takes it, not to heart, but he takes it very seriously. So he'll be very hard on himself over that. He'll know that there was points on the table that he didn't get. Uh, and, you know, like any athlete, it's, it's the mind game. So he's got to snap out of that, get on with, with the job when they get to Texas in you know, a few weeks' time, which is the first oval of the year. So completely different circumstance. He nearly won that race last year. Um, only to be beaten by his teammate Joseph Newgarden on the closing lap. So um, I think the big thing, Ian, is that it's just it's a head game um, and he's got to get around that and then just get on with the job in hand. He's more than capable. We showed that last year. And, um, and this year, in some ways, the pressure's on him a bit more than maybe it needs to be because of how well he did last year. But he's, he's been in this situation with Supercar before, so there's absolutely no reason why he can't cope with it as well. It's just uh, he's got the machinery, great team at Team Penske. It's just, it, it just comes down to mind space as an athlete and getting on with the job, and I'm sure he can do that. Well, Scott Dixon was also involved in some chaos at St. Petersburg yesterday. <laughs> um, but h- how did he manage to avoid that uh, opening lap uh, pile-up where, where six cars were involved? Well, there's been a bit of mixed message on media, mainly in this country, actually, um, uh, about Dixie's thing yesterday. And, you know, him and Felix Rosenquist uh, bang wheels a bit. Scott admitted that um, he actually didn't see Felix there and uh, said that in the post-race thing and, you know, was a bit apologetic to uh, Felix as well. Opening lap at St. Petersburg is always tough. That backside of the circuit after they come off the runway is very, very narrow. It's only 23 feet wide, so it's not... Um, you know, there's not a lot of room to play with. And these guys know this. So the first thing is, as drivers, you know that opening lap or opening two laps is going to be that way inclined. So, you know, switch the brain into gear as well. But I think it was an aggressive move maybe by Dixon. But what I disagree with the media here um, is the fact that they've said that he then caused the multi-car pileup. Sure, it made Rosenquist check up. Rosenquist actually tapped the wall, slowed up, and cars did back up behind him, which ultimately resulted in that accident. But I can't, you can't blame Dixon for all of that as well. That was, uh, that was you know, garbage that was going on behind him. And uh, if you qualify poorly at any of these races now, uh, you'll pay the price because you need to be up front and getting on with the job. And if you're midfield or back, it just leaves you open to that. No matter what the track is, whether it's an oval um, or a, a track like yesterday, a poor qualifying effort is going to put you back in the pack and it's going to hurt because you're around so many other cars trying to do exactly the same thing. So, yeah, it's look, it was one of those things. Um, just as much as the second incident involving Jack Harvey in, in the race was, it's you know, a little bit of a carnage fest, which is not a good look, but uh, you know, it does happen. It's the nature of a street course as well and... Uh, you know, the, the good thing about it is these cars are so safe for these guys now that, uh, you know, no one came out of it hurt or anything like that. David, uh, wasn't that long ago where Scott Dixon was flying the Kiwi flag solo. Uh, now there's three, uh, including uh, Marcus Armstrong in uh, his, his rookie year, finished top of the rookies in the 11th place, start, a creditable start. Uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, Marcus Armstrong and his future in IndyCar. 
Well, I think the future is probably bright. Um, you know, it's only a road and street course program this year. So um, Sato hops in the car uh, on all the oval events. So that'll be the next race at Texas and then the Indy 500 and then further on in the year as well. So Marcus is only doing, you know, three quarters of the season. But I think that's a good way to dip your toe in the water. It's a, a drastically different car to what he was driving in Europe. He seems to have adjusted to it well. I know a few people inside the Ganassi team who said they were very impressed uh, with his performance at the pre-season test about four weeks ago at a racetrack in uh, California, uh, and they came away with a lot of positive vibes about him. So, you know, I think there's there's good things in the wind there. He's got great mentors around him, certainly with Dixon, um, because Dixon likes to share the knowledge with other New Zealanders. There's no doubt about that, you know. And, uh, okay, he'll still look after himself as well, but, you know, he's very patriotic in that sense. So I think that's... A good thing. Marcus is a graduate of the um, Motorsport New Zealand Elite Academy, to which um, you know many listeners would know I'm a, a trustee of and have been for 15 odd years now. So we're very pleased to see him graduate to this level. It's another proof of the fact that maybe what we're doing inside the academy actually works. Um, yeah, look, I think it, it'll be a big year for him. There'll be ups and downs. Um, and the big thing is that he takes it away and, and continues to impress Chip because... Good old Chip Ganassi, he's one that doesn't take any fools. You know, if there's a weak link there, he'll deal with it straight away. And if there's a good link, he'll foster that. And he's known to do both. And I've seen it in action. And uh, I, I think his future is really good for Marcus. Increasing amount now of interest, though, uh, in IndyCar in New Zealand. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's rivaling Formula One just yet, but with the increased number of New Zealand participants in it, um, it must be growing. You must be notice, uh, noticing a growth of interest. Yeah, well, there is, because if you look at the feeder series leading into IndyCar itself, so you've got Indy Next, which used to be called Indy Lights. Um, there's a New Zealander in there, Hunter McElroy, in his second year. Um, and Hunter had a you know, pretty bad accident on uh, Saturday, our time, in practice, but then finished a fine fifth yesterday so I think that that was a, a great comeback from him and he's a star of the future and then you go down another layer in, in the USF uh, 2000 category Jacob Douglas out of Christchurch is in the second season and Jacob's you know only, only 16 now so you know it, it, it's a big thing for him he's living over in the States by himself and all that sort of thing so it's a pathway for them and they see this progression pathway through the, the system that IndyCar have created and in many ways even though it's not cheap, it's it's more affordable maybe than Europe, um, and and there is a true pathway that has options at the end of it. So you know the feeder series feeds the Indy Next series, and the Indy Next series you know feeds IndyCar. So um, yeah, I, it, it's a very viable option, and there are a lot of other categories that you can race in the US that are affordable for drivers to be able to get into. Um, or show opportunities for talented drivers to get into. And, you know, thankfully, New Zealand as a country, we've got a few of them over there now, and I think there's a few more on the way. Well, David, you're about to uh, yourself start work on a big documentary project involving Kiwis and IndyCar. Tell us uh, a wee bit about it. What's, what's the size of it? What's the scale of the operation? Well, I think I probably lost my marbles, Smithy, if you're really honest, you know, but it's <laughs> it's something that I've wanted to do. I've wanted to do it for years. I've been around the series for 22 years now from my time at TVNZ to after that to, you know, doing stuff for Sky and, and various other things. But I, I feel very passionate about it. And 
just like you know your sport maybe with cricket there's there's these unknown heroes if you like or unknown people within the sport that don't necessarily always get the recognition that they deserve and within IndyCar uh, and the feeder series Indy Next there's there's over 22 nearly 25 New Zealanders working across teams and they're all in very high profile positions from team managers to lead data engineers to you know all sorts of things and they're they're sought after as well. So they're very talented in their own right. And those guys, you know, I know a lot of them personally, and they all intend coming home one day as well because New Zealand is home and they will return home. But at the moment, they you know, have families in the US and they're living there and they're part of that series. And so the aim is to try and uncover a few of them and not turn them into household names, but, you know, make people aware of the fact that outside of these drivers that we have, we also have all these other people. The, the documentary will focus on the drivers around the month of May at the Indy 500 um, and mm. not, you know, not take the light off that, but it also will show these other guys doing what they do and how just how highly sought after they are. So it's a, it's a passion project. Um, and as I said, it's one that I've wanted to do for quite a while. And we've got a few investors on board that are covering, you know, some of the expenses for us. And, you know, I put my money where my mouth is and I said I wanted to do it. So I'm helping fund it. And uh, it'll be released on Sky Sport uh, later in the year. What's it going to be called? Kiwis Born to Fly, because I figured that Kiwis can't fly. So I was sitting here one day doodling on a piece of paper and I came up with the name and it's stuck ever since. (laughs) Right up there was... So it's be right up there with Drive to Survive, Breakpoint, and Full Swing. You'll be on Netflix next, yeah? Yeah, well, no, nah, maybe not, because I think their budget would probably be, you know, that would pay <laughs> for me to make the series about 10 times over. So my one might buy the morning <laughs> tea, but, you know, that's, that's all right. It's just about telling the story. And, um, you know, I, as I said, it's, it's something that I just think that New Zealanders may enjoy knowing the fact that there's all these Kiwis there that are, are doing just these amazing things and uh, and we don't really know about them. And I'm sure in any sport there is, whether it be sailing, cricket, football, whatever, there's always these people. So now's a chance just to, to do the motorsport angle. Well, I look forward to the end product. Uh, I really do, uh, David. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Nice little update on uh, what's happening with three Kiwis in IndyCar. It's uh, immensely interesting this season. Thanks for your time, mate. No, you're most welcome, Smithy, and I think it'll be a great season, and uh, we'll see some interesting results, I think, in three weeks' time at Texas. There's no doubt about that.